You are the foundation of your family. You are the firm footing they build their lives on. You carry a glorious burden and you never dream of laying it down. You carry it with joy and gratitude. You show up even when you don't feel like it. You lead, serve, love, and protect. You are a father. This is the Dad Work Podcast, where men are forged into elite husbands and fathers by learning what it takes to become harder to kill, easier to love, and equipped to lead. Get ready to start building the only legacy that truly matters, your family. Welcome to the Dad Work Podcast. I am Kurt Storing, your host, and today we are joined by Aaron Guyette, a very impressive dude. We dive in today talking about taking ownership, taking action, and being okay with sucking while you learn. The compounding power of sticking with hard things, insecurity and identity, and establishing your belief, purpose, and values to become the true leader of your family. There's a ton here, guys. Aaron is an excellent leader, and I think that you will get a lot out of this if you are looking to become a leader in your family as the father, as the husband that your family needs you to be. Aaron is a disciple in Christ. He's a devoted husband. He's a loving father. He's a leadership advisor, and he seeks to serve, teach, and develop leaders of leaders at all levels and for all teams and organizations. His servant leadership style combined with his life experiences gives him a vantage point that allows for deep insights and transformative actions that are unparalleled in the military, fitness, and corporate environments. He's a staff sergeant in the Marine Corps Reserves. He earned a Bachelor of Science in Business Management and a Master of Arts in Organizational Leadership. He holds countless certifications for the fitness industry. He founded and is the executive director of a non profit called Leaders of Leaders, where he speaks, writes, teaches, and serves to bring about leadership in Christ through rites of passage events, courses, technology, and more. You can find Aaron online, leadersofleaders.org, aarongayette.com, and discipledinchrist.org. All of that you can find on the show notes, dad.work slash podcast. If you want to follow up, get a link, join him there. He's also going to be active on YouTube, he said. Otherwise, socials are not his thing right now, which honestly, Excellent, excellent decision. Anyway, guys, this is an insane episode. I've actually already booked another episode with Aaron because this was so good. And we're going to dive into so many of the other things because he's just like, he's an expert at so much. And uh, it's kind of insane. So we will get into the podcast right now. If you have not yet left a review, would you please do that? On Apple, it takes about 30 seconds. On Spotify, it takes like two seconds. You just have to hit the rating button. But uh, that actually really helps us. So if you want to be part of the solution in making the world a better place because the men and the fathers in it will be listening to this podcast and doing the work, please leave a review. We'd very much appreciate it. And if you have not yet watched our free training, the four-step family foundation formula, you can go to dad.work slash training. And that is going to be a free video training for you to watch that basically is everything I've done, everything my clients do to become the uh, elite men, husband, and fathers their family needs to become harder to kill, easier to love, and equipped to lead. Go to dad.work slash training and join us there. Anyway, let's get into this episode with Aaron Guyette. Here we go. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Dad Work Podcast. I'm excited to have Aaron Guyette on today. Dude, you have been uh, in my ear for like months because I've been talking to Scott Ramage and he's like, oh, you got to get Aaron on. And so here we are. Yeah. And dude, you're like a very impressive man. <laughs> like I was looking through your website going like, oh, he's good at that. And he's good at that. And he's good at that. What are we going to talk about? Like literally everything. So first of all, let me pump you up. I'm very excited to have you here. Thanks uh, for being here. Sweet stash, by the way, looks great. Uh, <laughs> how are you doing, dude? Uh, yeah, I'm doing great. And um, I don't know, those are some big shoes to fill. Uh, Scott does a great job of that, right? He's a great, uh, great connector. So 
of course, he's going to talk me up. So we'll see if I can at least uh, do him a little bit of justice by filling a, a bit of the shoes that he uh, has created for me. Yeah, no, no pressure. Uh, I should have said that you were very unimpressive, so you could only go out from here. But uh, I think you'll have yeah, no problem. Exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this show probably sucks. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. I uh, I want to actually start there with like why are you so successful in these things? Like there's a lot. So I will have read your bio. People will have just heard it now, but you excel in many things that seem to be very difficult. That seem to take a lot that people usually go like, I'm just going to be a fitness guy, or I'm just going to be in the military. I'm just going to be, you know, a corporate leader, or whatever it is. Have you always just been sort of excelling at a lot of stuff? And what is that that you think makes a difference? Cause it, it's not, usual and i don't mean that in a negative sense at all yeah uh i was i was just uh recently on a <clears throat> on a podcast talking kind of about like hinge moments like uh in your life uh with eric sardina uh, super rad brother of mine uh he'd be a good one as well to talk to but yeah so he he and it, what the funny part was i i I actually, what I talked to him about was more my conversion into uh, Christianity and, and really like my conversion into atheism and nihilism, which led to my conversion into Christianity, but went through a whole bunch of spiritual uh, spectrums or whatever. And actually, that's not what I'm going to talk about uh, here. Uh, there was a moment in high school where I realized... Uh, that I was the limiting factor for all of the things that uh, one could achieve, right? And and I think, you know, all, a bunch of the self-development gurus and stuff will say stuff like this. Um, and so it, 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 it is sort of cliche, but it's also true. It's like, if if you want to do something, well, the best way to do it is to do it. And you're going to suck at it at first. And get over yourself, get over that and pursue. And what you will find is you'll be, you know, stuck in the mire of the challenge of the thing that you're in. But in that mire, there is beauty. There, there, there comes a point where there's like beauty, harmony, rhythm, patterns. And we are human. Uh, humans are pattern seekers. So you will figure out the pattern if you stick with it long enough. And then you will be able to turn that pattern into something uh, utilitarian or useful. That all that all that to be said, um, you know, I actually am consistently poo-pooing myself, uh, for, uh, constant pursuits of, of achievement. Um, and one, I think that's partly how I was raised, but two, there was like this turning point in high school where it's like, well, I could just do it. Like, I don't have to worry about what he says or what she says, or the fact that I suck at it at first, or, or that I'm not going to be as, is cool, or I'm not going to fulfill this romantic ideal of what this thing should be. And then, and, but the cool part is as you plot along, you look back and you're like, wow, I'm, I'm actually okay at this. Uh, I can kind of get this thing figured out and, and do this thing. And I'm able to do that, uh, just by the nature of doing it, like actually getting in, getting your hands dirty and doing it. So, um, yeah, at that turning point, uh, like I, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to go out for football then. I'm going to go out for wrestling. And this is my senior year, right? And my junior year, I spent that whole year <clears throat> working at a, at a restaurant and making money and doing sort of my own thing, my own way. Uh, 
and and me thinking about it sans family and and obviously i had great mo- uh, great mother great father um but i was rebellious teenager imagine that that never happens um and trying to kind of create my own way and and find my own mark and honestly like bumbling and stumbling and doing it horribly like doing it wrong like if there is the wrong way to do it i was doing all the wrong ways right like drinking and partying and just being an idiot um, and, and then I joined the Marine Corps because of this, right? It's like, oh, well, I've always wanted to be a Marine. Well, let's just do it, right? Joined the Marine Corps. And it was the same thing. Like every hard thing that was put in front of me, it's like, well, why don't you just put down some consistent effort and see what happens? Worst case scenario, you fail or you don't make this particular team or you don't uh, accomplish or, or earn this right or, or uh, you know, have victory in this challenge or in this uh, pursuit or whatever. Uh, but chances are, if you stay consistent in something, you actually find that you're able to do it like, and achieve it and, and learn. And uh, I mean, and I don't think it's some gifting because any person that I've met that has great achievements or whatever, they all say the same stuff. It's like, well, I just stuck with it longer than everybody else or, or whatever. And so, yeah, yeah that what that, that, I think that's it. And then unfortunately I've been plagued with, uh, that's a double-edged sword, right? Because then you can be sucked into doing and achieving for just doing and achieving. But every time you achieve something, what, what you usually realize is like, oh, I thought I was going to find contentment here. Contentment isn't here. What the heck? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so very interesting. Yeah, dude, that, there's so many points in there that um, I'm just learning myself. I, uh, one of the things I want to say is like action is the antidote to average, to apathy, to literally anything. But it's so hard for guys to suck at stuff. W- why is that? Because, dude, I was... I have my own personal answer to this, but I want to see what you're seeing in guys because there's compound interest in stick-to-itiveness. The more you do it, the better you can do, but it requires you to be in the game, in the arena, in the mud. And like so many guys, myself included, up until like honestly the last couple of years, it's like, well, I could just feel safe instead. I don't want to do a hard thing. So what? why can't we just stick to stuff that's hard and like you said, not care when we fail? Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, number one, nobody, uh, nobody wants to picture themselves as a failure, right? You know, we have, we have this romantic ideal of ourselves and it needs to be broken because, uh, we do not ever live up to this romantic ideal of ourselves. Right. And we are constantly showing and sharing with ourselves that the man in the mirror is not the man that we are dreaming or fantasizing is in our head. Right. Uh, and you know, and some people can say it's like ego and, and the id and alter ego and, you know, all, all of that psycho babble stuff. Um, and, and there is truth to that. I, I'm not saying that it's wrong or anything like that. Um, but really at the, at the end of the day, you know, if, if what you're imagining is you, if the belief about you is really the the true you, then there isn't this incongruency. There isn't this, um, there isn't this fear, right? Of, 
oh, uh, you know, I'm not this person. And the funny part is that fear and that insecurity creates this gap that gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it becomes harder, even harder to do something that is going to show you that you are not the person that you are claiming to be in your mind or pretending to be on social media or pretending to be in front of other people. Um, You're actually inadequate or you're actually not that great or you're actually, but instead of admitting that, which would be pursuing something that is difficult that will show that in its most concrete, stark reality, uh, we just pretend that it doesn't, uh, you know, that it doesn't exist. And then that gap gets even bigger. And then it becomes even harder to step into, you know, the reality of, of the true you. And so our believism, and this is a, a similar problem in Christianity, a lot of Christians, supposed Christians, have this believism um, about their Christianity, but uh, it's not, they're not actually walking out a, a Christian life. They're not actually uh, discipling in Christ. They're not actually following Christ. They're not actually Christian. Um, they're just saying that they are. They know the Christianese to, you know, fool people into believing that they're, they're this. Um, but belief is more than just words and just saying it, right? Belief is you know, in, in the in Christianese, it would be the fruit, right? Your fruit would show who you are. But in in regular, you know, work a day layperson's uh, English, it's like, is what you're saying that you are also what you are showing, right? By your actions, by your thoughts, you know, all of this stuff. Is all of that in alignment? And if it's not, like, probably should check yourself. <laughs> you know? Yeah, dude. There's, it's like it's trust in relationship because if you're not in integrity, you're not going to be trusted. But there's also like the trust in relationship to yourself with that lack of integrity. And I love the visual of like, is the man in the mirror the same guy that I have idealized in my head? And that's a great thing for anyone to go do like right now, look at yourself in the mirror and go like, oh man, how far away am I? But I feel like there's this shame, right? Like, oh, well, if I realize that I'm not this guy, then I'm not good. I am broken. I'm whatever. Uh, Is that Mm -hmm. what's sort of at the core of this? And how do we get over that? Because most guys just don't. Uh, yeah, so sh- shame and guilt, <clears throat> I-, I believe shame and guilt is is the typical and unhealthy response to insecurity. I, I really I-, I really think it's uh, it's insecurity, and maybe insecurity is brought about by the shame and guilt or the shame and guilt is brought about by the insecurity, but uh, insecurity is, 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 is exactly like I do not have security in who I am and what my identity is, which it which includes my mistakes and my shortfalls and the things that I don't have and the things that I, um, that I would like to have, but I haven't quite done or the things that I've boasted about, but I really fall short of, um, you know, I, I think it is a, it's a, it's a pride and insecurity. And, and then what, what we feel about that is then shame, guilt, and fear, um, I, you know, I, I think those are the follow on feelings that we'll feel and the shame and guilt is, I mean, we have been raised in a, in a shame and guilt culture. And it, the interesting part is like, a uh, if you look at like the old Testament in antiquity, like shame and guilt was a, a very important part of their culture, but shame and guilt was felt corporately. So it was a little bit different. We feel shame and guilt individually. And then we are, we've, we've created these, uh, 
truly technological walls where we can actually put ourselves into a silo that actually isolates us further from the corporateness of our communities and of our societies and of our fellowship with other people where we can actually get to know who we are by the reciprocated response or the refracting of us when we communicate in relationship with men and women and, and companies and, and teams and, and things like that. And, and so then we, we create this silo and the silo gets bigger and bigger and thicker and thicker and bigger and bigger. And so, and the shame and guilt makes, you know, more layers. And then the fear of feeling more shame and guilt and more insecurity creates more layers. And so then we put ourselves in these like silos. And yeah, so I think in that silo is this swirling of shame, guilt, fear, and, and those are feelings that come from our inadequacy, our insecurity. I'm insecure about my strength or about my aesthetics, um, but I'm not doing anything about it. And so my aesthetics are not are, are, are uh, you know reducing all the more. My strengths are reducing all the more because I'm not actually stepping into that because I'm afraid to step into it because if I step into it and it's like creates this like gnarly self-fulfilling prophecy and negative feedback loop that just puts us deeper and deeper into these silos. But the the sooner we can break down these silos, get super vulnerable, open up, connect with other people, the more we will also find the opposite of shame and guilt, and that is love. Love in spite of our inadequacies, inadequacies and love in spite of our insecurities. And, and that actually removes those inadequacies and gives us uh, the ability to want to step again into the fray or in, into the challenge so that we can get stronger or, or improve our aesthetics or uh, become better lovers or you know whatever the case might be. Man, that silo analogy is so good because it's so true, right? It's like the technological thing. You can just pretend to be whatever. You never have to relate to anybody. But all like I think, honestly, at their core, we're relational beings. And I think that's where everything has to be done. Um, okay, so you've sort of touched on it there, doing hard things, breaking those walls down, getting vulnerable. But what are some of the steps that a guy who's like in his silo can actually take? Because I want to go tell people, like, just do all the hard things. Like, stop being such a weakling. Go do the hard things. Be in the arena. Get beaten up. But it's like, well, that's exactly what I'm not doing. So I'm not just going to start. Um, I think pain probably has to do a lot with actually taking action when you finally realize, like, I have to be honest with myself and I'm hurting too bad not to do anything. But what have you seen success in when it comes to, like, just start here, bro. Like, just do the thing. Yeah. How do people get out of this? Yeah, so uh, so to touch on on yours and to and to sort of uh, throw an affirmation your way, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. <clears throat> there's these needs, but then uh, beyond that, once once you fulfill those needs, and, and most of us and most of the listeners have fulfilled those needs, like they're the basic stuff of survival or whatever, right? Um, then it's thriving, and actually, uh, in his later life, he he started to actually study people in work environments because he thought just getting out there and doing stuff was the way to to really um, have uh, this 
uh, full realization or, or ideal self, you know, being able to actually walk out your true, most robust version of you. It's getting out there and connecting and doing and, and failing and, and trying again and, and all this stuff. Um, and then we can sort of uh, see ourselves for who we are and then start to work on ourselves. Um, I, I, but I will say, I look at it a little, a little bit different. Um, I see, so yes, I think if you're not applying anything, um, then you're only the academic that is merely in theory. Right. And so we, if we're, if we're just in our heads, then we're just in our heads. Like, and we don't have, we, we don't, we're not brains in vats, right. That are connecting. I mean, unless we are, and, and then this is all super weird, but, <laughs> but philosophically, right. We're, th- this is not the case. We're not brains in vats. We are humans in this crazy weird universe, uh, of physical reality, but there's psychological consciousness that we can't quite fully bridge and connect with the physiological. So there is this mind, right, that is separate of and also inextricably part of our physiology or our physicalness. Um, and and then I, I would add a, a piece to that. Then there's this unexplainable parts that we will ram our heads against, especially when we do philosophical work in like trying to understand what is right and why is it or who created it or or how did this come come to be and that would be a spiritual sense um but i would also i would say that that spiritual sense is part and parcel with the mind um or with the way in which we process but um we we don't we don't just sit here in our minds right and so i i talk about the most foundational and and first best step as belief. And I, I kind of mentioned it before. Um, but belief, uh, belief is like, well, is gravity, right? So gravity is a great example of belief. We don't have to know the formulaic version of gravity. We don't have to even know of other planets and the moon and the solar system and the universe, right? Which all uses this weird force that is gravity to know that gravity exists and furthermore, not only know that it exists, but work with it every single day, right? Like we, we wouldn't be able to walk to work. We wouldn't be able to have this conversation. We wouldn't be able to make inventions if there was no gravity all of a sudden or gravity came and then it fluctuated away or whatever. No, gravity is this constant that we are, that we're constantly running into from a a mental standpoint and a, and a physiological standpoint that helps us do the thing that we do. So we have belief in gravity, right? And so belief is, again, like I say, it's, it's thoughts, words, and actions all in alignment, right? It's not saying, oh, I believe this thing or, ooh, I really like this theory. So I'm going to, I'm going to gravitate to it. But it's like, no, what do you truly believe? And if I looked at your actions and I, and I listened to you talk for a week and I was able to jump inside your thoughts, is what you're saying you believe actually what you really believe? Are you following through with every essence of who you are, right? And and so I would say, try to articulate and encounter what it is that you believe. And if 
some of the beliefs that you have or some of the narratives that you've been telling yourself that you believe run up and and become failings or false or somehow pocked with holes or bring issue well d- dive into those a little bit more and 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 flesh out like oh maybe maybe there's something different and so then that would be our world view. And so what I think is I'm, I'm saying jump into the fray, not just by doing stuff practically, like going to work and doing the hard things and, and the stuff that you're saying, 100% agree with that. And I'm, <clears throat> but I'm also saying uh, jump into the fray of what it, like, why, why do you go to work? What are you getting out of work? What are the values that are behind you doing that work? Why is this important to you? Is it is the thing that's important to you money? Okay, why is money so important? Is it making you feel good about you know X or Y or or do you do you want to look at? And then is that is that really good? Is that what you really want, or is there something else that's there? And I'm not here to tell you what the right answer is. I'm not here to, I'm here to just pose the question. Like, have you really thought about what you believe and is what you believe what you truly believe, or is it what you're telling people that you believe to feel good about yourself or to have them feel good about you? And if that's the case, wipe that out, figure out what the true narrative is that's going on in your brain, what the true belief is that's going on in your brain. And if that's off, think about adjusting it because the more you jump into that fray, the more you're going to, you're going to find probably this finite, maybe not so great version of you. But the, the moment you realize there's a problem, now you can actually do something about it. Right. Whereas before, I think most of us just don't even think about any of these hard things. And so we wonder why we've got 40-year-old men acting like boys that live in their parents' basement, you know, objectifying women and ruining a whole society, right? Not being leaders or leaders that aren't actually leaders, right? They're, they're leaders in position only, in name only, and yet they don't have the backbone to take responsibility when things go wrong and mistakes happen on their watch, right? And, and then we wonder why we're dealing with all of these problems and all of these issues from a, a local uh, standpoint, a, a national standpoint, or even a world standpoint. And so why don't, why don't you have the cojones to dive into that so that you can say, Hey, you know, I am at least secure in this. And also I don't know this, 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 and this, and I, and I'm okay with that. I, I want to find out more, but I'm not trying to pretend like, Oh yeah, I know. I know. all, I know everything, you know? Dude. Um, so yeah, that's a, a little bit, a, a twist and a nuance on uh, the Maslow's, uh, sort of, uh, occupational way to find ourselves. <clears throat> Man, the, the thing that I've noticed this year is that like, I know generally where my values were. I'm quite clear. I'm quite able to stand up for them. But my identity in that was less clear because I wasn't really interfacing with the world as much. I was very insular. I worked online and didn't have any clients because it was all algorithmic stuff. But I noticed this year, every time someone challenged something I posted, every time someone like made some, you know, judgment that was not true, it would hit to my core and I'd want to go, Oh no, I'm in trouble. They don't like me. What is going to happen to me? 
But it was this mixture of both being in the arena and then thinking about that, that I think the two play on each other. You got to do the stuff to get the feedback, but you also have to be able to think about what is it that I like? Who am I? What do I believe about the world? All those kind of things. So it's like this two-pronged approach. Um, I also think about it like this, um, like if you're captaining a ship, right? If you're rowing a boat, you could row as hard as you can. But if you don't know where you're going, if you don't know why you're in the boat in the first place, you'll probably wind out in the middle of the ocean, no supplies, no land, and you'll die, right? So you've got to be like good at but both. you'll get there fast. Huh? Oh, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and you'll be jacked by the time you're there. So that's worth it for some guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. But dude, all of this, identity, you know, driving the ship, um, you know, thinking about why you're going there, where you're going there. To me, this is all part of leadership eventually. Um, and I really wanted to get your thoughts on leadership because so many of the guys I work with, so many of the guys I talk to are abdicating leadership within the home, in the workplace, as a business owner, as a father. Uh, so I'm curious to get at the, you know, maybe like your 30,000 foot view on leadership, just so we know what we're talking about here. And then I'd love to dive into how dads specifically can become better leaders. Mm. Yeah, I, I would say that if you are a, a husband, if you are a father, and you're also like a leader at a, at a job or an organization or a church or a college or teacher, you know, whatever, whatever sort of leader um, you are, whatever sort of sphere of influence that you're given outside of the home, uh, most of us, uh, because we're men and we compartmentalize really well and we tend to be task oriented, right? <clears throat> These are tendencies. So some men will hear that and be like, that's not me. Well, cool. You're gifted with, you know, probably empathy and compassion and things like that, that unfortunately I've been shorted. Uh, <laughs> and, it, it, and it's a lot of work for me to get those. So whatever. Um, but yeah, most of us, right. This is the case. And, uh, and so I would say that if, um, if you're crushing it at your job, if you're crushing it out there, but your home sucks, then honestly, you're not a leader. You suck. <laughs> um, and, and I'm, and I'm just going to be frank about that because there's no easy way to put it. It's far better to get the brutal truth than for me to massage you with some false dilemma or, or false narrative. Like, oh, no, well, at least you're crushing it out there. You know, that's, that's great. And if you it's don't like, do that now... No. If you don't call them out now, this I get this on Instagram. Pardon me for interrupting, but it's so important that guys actually hear this yeah. because if you don't get called out now when you can still do something about it, the result is the consequence is, oh, you don't have to deal with it now, but 20 years from now, when your wife is gone or completely checked out, when your kids stop calling you, then you'll be like, oh, why didn't someone tell me about this? So take this seriously. Pardon me for interrupting. Excellent point. No, or, or worse yet, when your kids go out and suck at everything and then suck from society that you so bountifully uh, gave to in, when you were crushing it at your work, it's all going to be sucked away and then some by the next generation because you lack leadership in the home. And so I would say, so leadership is, in, it should be in all areas and aspects of life, right? And it's when... Um, you have at least an articulate understanding and you can justify your beliefs, right? And then what can come from that is if you have a solid worldview, a grounding, if you will, uh, you can now build a foundation that, that the next thing is a purpose. So you, then you have a purpose and this purpose can be gifted to the, your place of business or your work. This 
purpose can also be gifted to your wife, to your children, right? And and this to to me, so those values or that purpose should be pervasive and seep through in every area and aspect of your life, right? If it can only be used at work and it's like, well, this is my work hat and my work purpose. And then, you know, I get home and then there's a a different purpose and there is going to be nuances. Um, but the, the deep seated, I'm talking about the deep seated Victor Frankl version of your why the why that keeps you surviving and driving through the concentration camp and then writing incredible thought-provoking books afterwards, right? These deep, deep deep-seated whys, these uh, very probably deep philosophical questions, this type of purpose, because that can weather any storm, right? Which that means if it can weather any storm for you, it can weather any storm for your children, for your wife, and for the team that that you're working with or in or leading right at your at your place of business and then from that purpose right purpose drives meaning it gives you meaning it gives you reason to wake up in the morning um and I'll tell you a, a lot of times if it, if it's um you know objects that you're after materialism consumerism that you're after like if these are your are your purposes to me <clears throat> that's just as bad if not worse than nihilism like at least nihilism I'm not I'm not kidding myself like yeah there's no meaning there's no purpose it, who really cares so I might as well you know get a bunch of money and and have a bunch of sex and then kill a bunch of people or whatever because nothing nothing matters right um I mean that is right nihilism uh but with materialism and consumerism and all those things it's justifying like oh no I'm right in doing the same things that the nihilist would do, um, but at the cost of what? At the cost of relationships, at the cost of uh, treating humans like humans, right? (laughs) Things like that. It's like humans become objects, right? They become tools in which you can uh, control and manipulate and coerce and abuse. Anyway, so I'll get off that high horse because I'm diving from 30,000 into the 10,000 and boots on the ground. Um, And then the, the, the sort of the latter part, right? This is again, the 30,000 foot view is then values like establishing values and all of these things should be in alignment, right? The, the belief is that sort of the foundation and then what you're able to build out of that foundation. So the concrete that you pour, if you will, is the purpose, right? Which holds the house in place within this foundation of your worldview. And then you build the house, which is your values, right? And, and so, and now you have a home in which, you can guide your children. You can give them this perspective of belief, not tell them you have to believe this, but give them this perspective of a belief and justify it and articulate it and then give them this perspective of purpose and then justify it and articulate it and give them this perspective of values and justify it and articulate it. And then that is the way you will lead your home. And that is the way you will lead your wife. That is the way you will lead your kids. That is the way you will lead your work. Right. And it's, and it will be an intrinsic outpouring of who you are as opposed to, oh, I really like that guy's thing. I'm going to add that into my little toolbox here. And, oh, I really like what, what this person says about this thing. And I'm going to, I'm going to add that in or, you know, whatever I can do to make sure that I get paid or whatever I can do to make sure that I survive or whatever I can do. And it's like, man, one, nothing will ever be written about you, right? Your legacy will, will die as soon as you uh, die. Right. Um, because, there's, there's nothing of, of worth there. Nobody wants one, nobody wants a copycat. Right. <clears throat> and two, uh, there, there's nothing 
that's deep and meaningful in, in what it is that you're pursuing. So take a moment, establish your beliefs, understand what your worldview is, then set your, your purpose within that worldview, and then put your values out to guide you as beacons to make sure that you're going in the right direction. And when you step off, because it's not if, it's when you step off and don't follow your values, you're able to look at your values and be like, yo, I'm way out here and I need to be back over there. Dang it. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. I screwed up. Please forgive me. I'm sorry, kids. I'm sorry, wife. Please forgive me. Come back. This is where we're at again. We're going to reset and re-engage in this place, moving in this direction. And that to me, that is leadership, right? Being able to admit when you're wrong. And most people, it's like, oh, well, don't you don't want to admit when you're wrong. I can't tell you how many marine instructors told me as an instructor, and I became a chief instructor, right, uh, in the in the Marine Corps, but told me in my early days as an instructor, well, never admit that you're wrong. You're always right. You're always perfect. And I'm like, man, this is what's wrong with society, right? This is what's wrong with the Marine Corps. It's like, nah, it's okay. If I admit that I'm wrong, then that humanizes me, right? And then it and then it opens the door for them to admit when they're wrong instead of pretending when they screw up that nothing bad happened. And if they admit when they're wrong, then we can actually fix the problem. But if they cover it up and, and, and hide it and don't admit when they're wrong because I example that as their leader and instructor, like, uh, isn't that not what we want, right? <laughs> like, don't we want to fix problems before they become big problems, before we go overseas into a... Uh, area of operations and end up smoking some kid and then covering it up because, you know, like we can fix these problems probably in training before we get over there. Right. And, and do the thing that it is that we do anyways. So yeah, that belief, purpose, values, right. Establish those, articulate those, justify those. Um, and it's not going to happen overnight. And it's probably going to change. You're going to establish them. You're going to start walking them out. And then you're going to hit a wall and be like, where did that wall come from? I didn't see it. I got blindsided. And it's like, yeah, well, that's life. And that value probably doesn't lead in the direction that you were hoping or thinking that it was going to lead. So make an adjustment. You know, this, this can change. We are living out life in space and time. So tomorrow is totally a new day. You can forgive yourself or forgive others for what happened behind us and in the past. So then we can be free to move forward into what could be in the future. Man, there's so much in there uh, generally. And I'm thinking even specifically as a father with the admittance of being wrong. And then I love the idea of having that huge vision, the huge purpose, such that you're not always looking back because there's so many guys who are just like, oh, well, this happened before, therefore I can't. It's like, well, dude, yeah, you can like, if it's a roadblock, that's what I say to guys like, okay, if we come up with a roadblock on your vision forward, we can turn around and look like, what the heck was that? Did we just like run over you know, whatever. Do we hit a shopping cart and run over that? Like, let's clear that out of the way. But then you're like back looking forward. Um, are there things that, you know, come from this 30,000 foot leadership view that we can then apply as husbands, as fathers, um, maybe what, what you see your role as, how you do this, how you feel that you are leading your family? Because man, the rubber's got to hit the road for, I know a lot of guys who listen to this podcast. This is one of the biggest issues my wife is leading and I don't really want to rock the boat. So what can we talk about for family leadership? 
Uh, well, I mean, so I've just, I've just kind of come off of some, uh, some biblical exegesis and, and biblical exegesis just means like understanding what this scripture means in context, in the his, histor, uh, histor, uh, historical socioeconomic, right. Uh, version of this saying to these people and then, okay. Then how can those principles then apply to my life? Right. That's exegesis. And, uh, and, and I would say, um, if your wife is leading and you don't want to rock the boat, you are the problem. <laughs> um, you, you are, you are as a man, you are gifted with the ability. And I'm not saying that women can't lead. I'm not saying that women are, um, not equal in value, human value to men, right? That, that don't get, don't get this twisted. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying you as a man, right? Maybe you haven't uh, incurred the rite of passage that you should have to tell you that you at some point went from boy to man, right? Or maybe you are still a boy that's 30 and 40 or 25 or whatever the case is, and you haven't yet become a man and now, now that is your responsibility. That's your fault, right? That is you deciding that I'm not going to become a man, right? But once you put on them man trousers, once you put on them man suspenders, you do man stuff. And man stuff means you are the, the head of your household. You are the leader in your home, right? And, and that doesn't mean that your wife can't kick ass and take names, right? Uh, snap necks and, and cash checks or, you know, whatever, whatever that thing is. They, I'm not saying that they can't do those things, but I'm saying that you are a leader, right? You are a leader in that home. And if you are a leader, then you're not rocking the boat. You're taking the lead as the head of the household, which is what you are. Uh, that is it. And, and if there is some issue with that, um, so here's an interesting, I was just on a podcast. I was just interviewing somebody actually the other day and, uh, it was a pastor and he said, I actually have more women coming to me in private counsel saying that their husbands lack a backbone and lack leadership. And they wish they, they wish they had more leadership in the home than I ever do, you know, oh, my husband won't let me lead. My husband, right, won't, no, my husband is off in the garage or out watching football with the boys or, you know, pursuing stuff outside of the home and then comes and is a a flake and a soft ninny when he steps into, into the house, right? And that is not what you're, as a man, that is not what you're called to be. And so a, take, step up to the plate. Hey, you decided to get married. You decided to have kids, right? Step up to the plate with, right, with that liberty to make those decisions comes the equal and balancing responsibility of what that freedom holds, right? You decided this liberty, right? The Statue of Liberty, uh, this is Victor Frankel, right? The Statue of Liberty on the East Coast should be balanced out by a Statue of Responsibility on the West Coast. And obviously great word picture, but it's absolutely true. You freely chose to become a man of a household, 
right? To assume those responsibilities. And I would say you are created to then be the man, be the head of the household and lead that household. And you know what? You're probably just like bringing us all the way back to the beginning of this, this, this uh, talk. You're probably going to suck at it at first. You're probably going to bumble your way through it. Your wife is probably going to do a better job because guess why? Because she's been doing it, right? She's been taking the lead because you haven't, right? And so you're probably going to suck at it and she should support you and encourage you and say, that's awesome, but don't expect that. She probably ain't because if if you've allowed her to lead, she's going to then take that leadership, right? And And not that you have to take it from her, but you can start then with small things, establishing leadership, being, and this is, I think the most important thing, um, but being intentional about your leadership, right? So leaders of leaders is a systematic approach to intentional leadership. And it's a systematic approach to intentional leadership so that you are not leading to generate followers, but you're leading to generate leaders, right? So you can lead to generate a better leader in your wife, right? She can be a better mother to her children. She can be um, a better homemaker. She can be a better worker. She can be uh, whatever the case might be, right? Um, You can see her for the blessing and the beauty that she is and then treat her accordingly and lead her accordingly so that she becomes even better, right? Even more glorified in her leadership role that she's taken on. Um, same thing with your kids, your kids have, right. We all have unfulfilled potential as humans. So you're stepping into your unfulfilled potential. You're fulfilling your potential as a man of the house, as head of the household and as a leader so that then your kids see what that truly is. And then you can, what didn't happen to you, you can then tell them, hey, you're no longer a boy, you are now a man. Hey, you're no longer a girl, you are now a woman. And I honor that and I respect that. And in that, that that bears with it spheres of influence and leadership capability and leadership ability that you can step into. And I want to encourage you in that. I want to pour myself in. I want to sacrifice my life so that you can be better, right? So that you can step into um, leadership. So yeah, uh, I don't know. I I said a bunch of stuff right there. I was just frothing at the mouth. I don't know if that... It was so good, man. (laughs) That was was where we wanted to go. It was exactly where I wanted to go. Um, Yeah, that's one of the little clips that like I would want to just rewind a little bit and listen to. Um, and maybe it's just because it's stroking my ego. Cause I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Keep going. That's exactly what I think. Um, yeah. but you said it much better. Uh, speaking of sacrifice, I pulled something. I can't remember. If the, I think this is from your website. It's like leadership equals challenges plus sacrifice in a sense. Um, I think from your website, you said my purpose is to accept the challenges and to make the sacrifices to develop leaders of leaders in Christ. Do you want to talk about challenges and sacrifice? Cause this particularly sacrifice, and we've already touched a little bit on challenges, I think is a very underutilized word, sacrifice. And yet it's at the core of my new belief, your faith, like that's it, it, mm. the pinnacle of so much as leaders. Can you talk a little bit more about challenge and sacrifice then? Yeah. So uh, if we just look at the, and I'm not saying mythical in that it's false and it doesn't exist. I'm saying mythical in that it represents, right, this idea. Um, but if we just look at the, 
um, sort of the overarching storyline of the Bible and, and, and then specifically kind of hone in on this character, Jesus Christ. Um, it's literally the most compelling and greatest love story that's ever told. And when you say most compelling and greatest love story, you're, what you're actually saying is it's the most compelling and greatest story ever told. Right. Um, and because, uh, it, great stories tend to be love stories, right? Um, and love in the sense, uh, not in the, uh, I think what most of us think about when we think about love is lust, right? Because our society uh, and, and media has done a great job of making love about sexual connection and the romantic version of a man and a woman uh, getting together or now a man and a man and a woman and a woman or whatever the case might be. Right. But this, uh, like this deep attraction falling head over heels. Um, but really that's like the beginning, right? That's the, um, honeymoon version of love, which isn't really deep love. Like, uh, as I've been with my wife longer now, um, I long for her more. And uh, yes, I long for her sexually, but even more so, I long for just her connection, her connection mentally, her connection physically, uh, her connection with our kids, her connection with our home, uh, the interconnectedness that that she creates by our by our marriage by our union with the community, with, right, uh, friends. I mean, it, it is this like um, all pervasive love. And yet also it's a, it's a choice, right? I'm choosing to put her first or I put God first and then put her second. But I'm choosing to put her before my kids. I'm choosing to put her before my work. I'm choosing to put her before my parents. I'm choosing, right? And there's all these areas where I'm, I'm choosing to put her in front of all of these things. Um, and, and that is what God did for us. And it's this incredible sacrifice that has layers and layers and layers and layers. And there, there would, uh, five minutes, uh, five hours, 500 hours, 500 years wouldn't be long enough to really describe all of the layers uh, that are going on there. And I know that because every, every time I dive in, it gets deeper and deeper. I think it's even deeper than um, trying to find the bottom of Instagram. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's even deeper than that. Uh, so, no, but uh, but so 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 there's this incredible example of of sacrifice, and then we're called to sacrifice for our wives as Christ did the church. We're we're called to sacrifice our lives as the greatest example of love. And we sacrifice our lives for our brothers, right? For our friends, for our community, for our uh, community of believers and beyond, right? Uh, for people that don't believe in what we believe. We're called to give of all of ourselves. And, and, we, and then we also sacrifice our insecurities. We sacrifice our egos. We sacrifice our romantic ideal versions of ourselves. We sacrifice our, our small free times and, and, and things like this. But we, we do it for a purpose. And that purpose is to 
show and share this deep love and affection for others. It's like, hey, I'm going to I will swallow my words that I want to just staccato smash you with, uh, you know, chainsaw you down with or whatever. I'm going to sacrifice those words and instead I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to wish you well. I'm going to forgive the thing that you said and did to me. And none of these things are easy. All of them are far easier, and and even saying them is difficult, but far easier to talk about, far easier to write about than to actually act out. And so, and to me, that sacrifice is is the most challenging of challenges, right? To sacrifice ourselves for others, um, for our wives, for you know, swallow that pride, admit when you are wrong, um, lead when it's uncomfortable, and you, it's just probably easier to not confront and not challenge, and you know, and fight when you just want to give up and be like, well, you don't care about me. You don't love me. Cool. I'm, I'm out too. Like, nope, you stand strong and you fight for that relationship. Um, and I mean, that is going to be a far greater blessing to your kids, um, than to do what every other normal human would do in that situation, which is just like, Hey, um, I'm just going to reciprocate the thing that you did to me, right? And I'm going to maybe add some stank on it and put some amplification behind it so you really feel it. You really get the sting of of what you just did to me. Uh, um and and I and you know, all of this is what we all experience because we all experience relationships to to you know, some degree. Um but yeah, if we're not if we're not thinking that we're going to confront a challenge, well, then you you just get smoked by it, right? You get ambushed by it. Um, <clears throat> and so my thought is, well, why don't you practice like we did in the Marine Corps, uh, near ambush and far ambush tactics. So uh, you know that you're, you're probably going to get ambushed by some challenges. And you also know that you know, you're going to go out and do that raid or you're going to attack Right, and you're going to confront challenges, so you're going to do both and. But why don't why don't we think about these things and practice these things, write about these things, get articulate with with these things? Um, because if there's anything that I do understand about life, is that it will bring challenge. Right, so you're either going through a challenge right now, you've just gone through a challenge, or you're about to go into a challenge. Um, and so I just embrace that on the beginning of my purpose. It's like, I'm going to accept these challenges, right. And accept these sacrifices or pursue these challenges and accept these sacrifices so that I can create leaders of leaders in Christ. Um, and I'm in Christ, right? I'm a disciple of Christ. I'm not saying you have to believe in Christ. That's your own journey. I am not you. I can't make those decisions. I'm not going to manipulate you. I'm not going to coerce you, but I will tell you, this is this has been my experience, and this is what I believe, and this is why I believe it, and I believe it's logical, and I believe I can you know, philosophically back it, and I believe that there is historicity and, and historical proof to this, and I, you know, and so here, I've, I've got some assurance as to what I believe, but I'm not saying you have to believe that. Um, but I know that if I'm pursuing things in Christ, well, Christ, as far as I can tell in reading history, read, you, you read a secular version of history or, or you read uh, a religious version of history, a Christian version of history. Um, there is a moment in time where everything started to really adjust and change. Right. And, and that hinge, that hinge point 
AD, BC, right? That that hinge point is Jesus Christ. And I, I don't think that that's some like weird, nuancy, secular coincidence. Um, and so I, I, you know, I just, I confront that and, and I'm like, well, if, if Christ is kind of this important person and then you dig a little bit deeper and like, oh God, oh, but also man, oh, and then it's like, gets like super funky and weird. But what I do know is that his influence was greater than any other human, right? That existed in history. And so Christ truly is the leader of leaders, right? Creating more leadership than any other uh, leader. And so for me, it's like, okay, I'm going to do this in Christ. And I know that every human has a sphere of influence. So every human is a leader and has leadership potential. So what can I do? What sort of challenges do I need to come up against and pursue through? Or, or what sort of sacrifices do I need to make to allow other people to see that they have influence, that they have the unfulfilled potential of leadership, and then can therefore step into that. Um, And the easiest, I think, and and quickest way to that is through my belief system in in Christ and in Christianity. But, I mean, those principles and truths go throughout all cultures and, and all belief systems, right? There's little bits of that truth found and spackled everywhere. Man, well said. Thank you for that. Um, I, first of all, I want to be respectful of time. I think we got like three minutes left. Um, I, I wanted to ask about this servant leader idea and I want to make sure we drop in where guys can find you. Um, but there's like this idea that guys resist sacrifice in, uh, marriage in the family because they don't want to be weak. It's like, well, I'm not going to servant leaders weak. I don't want to do that. I want to just serve. Um, and I was thinking about it where it's like, I lead by serving as much as I can, but I also served by leading. Um, do you have any thoughts on the perceived weakness of the servant leader? Yeah. I mean, I think it's the same perceived weakness that that, you know, fellow instructor had when he was teaching me how to instruct. And he's like, Oh, you don't, don't have any faults. Like be perfect. Uh, that's going to make you a better instructor. That's going to make you a better leader. That's going to make you a better teacher. Like, when is that true? Like, when do we look at politicians and go, Oh, there's, uh, there's skeletons in your closet and you're denying it. You must be an incredible leader. It's like it said, no one ever It's like, you're the worst, like get off the stage. Like nobody likes you. Like, why don't you know if you could admit, and it's the last thing that you want to do because admitting it to others is also admitting it to yourself. And sometimes it's nicer to walk around in this false narrative that we are this great person that, with no mistakes and all this stuff. Um, but that's just, I mean, that's just believing the deception, right? And what a what a rad way to get Christian leaders or politicians or whatever off track and 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 lose some of their traction as leaders that are actually building other leaders or creating followers, right? Both and, um, but but it removes their ability to be good examples, right? Like. Uh, the the voice boxes of our yesteryears are now going away. These media platforms are now starting to fade away. And why is that? Because they've lost 
trust. And how have they lost trust? Because they pretended that the things that they did that was not that wasn't true or whatever didn't exist. And so the people will just turn off to it. Right. And so then now you're not leading anybody. So how are you how are you gonna be a, a leader if you're you know and and you should be authoritative but not authoritarian, right? Not a dictator. Um so if you know something to be true to the bottom of your heart, you say it, right? If this value is your value, you stand up for it. Um, and so there, that's where you can be strong. And when you go against the, that value or when you do something that is wrong or when things go wrong that are out of your control, but you're presiding as the leader, you quickly confess it right? And this is a very biblical thing too. You confess it. You say, Hey, I know that we're all looking at this thing. I'm going to just talk about the elephant in the room. This is what happened. We, I made a mistake. I like, even for your marriage, it is my fault that you've had to step in and do all of the leading and do all of this stuff. I take full responsibility for that. And, but then you don't just confess, then you repent. And repent means to turn about from. So if you're doing something that's wrong or something wrong happened, confess it. Okay, this is a reality. Now we all know that it's a reality and we know that I'm not living in some false dilemma or deception um, or whatever. And I'm not trying to deceive you. Okay, let's turn. And what do we turn towards? And well, in repentance, it, it's we turn to God, um, but we turn to righteousness. We turn to the right thing. We turn to doing it right. We turn to what are the values that we set? Okay, let's get back on this track, right? And do it this way or do this thing <clears throat> or adjust this. And some of that responsibility stuff is like, oh, well, then you have to step down. Okay, that sucks. I don't want to do that. What do you do instead? You lie? You deceive everybody so that you can retain your position? Oh, that's far worse. Because now you live with a, a false reality, a deception that you get to look at every day in the mirror and know you cheated yourself, you cheated your company, you cheated your wife, you cheated your kids, you cheated whatever it was. You have to, and to me, that's living hell right? You're literally living in a hell that you've created because you've bought into the deception and tried to get everybody else to buy into the deception. When instead what you could do, it's probably harder in the short run, right? It's easier to just pretend in the short run, but way harder in the long run, but it's harder in the short run. It's like confess, Hey, yo, I screwed up. I did this and then turn about change your way. Beautiful. Thank you, man. This has been, uh, well, I think we covered like the first single topic I wanted to get to, which is amazing. <laughs> uh, I have to invite you on again if you're up for it, man. But where can people find you? Because I think there's like 30 things that you're doing and excelling at like I started with, but where would you like to send guys if they want to learn more? Yeah. So uh, leadersofleaders.org. I, I have a bunch of socials, but I will be honest. Um, I have been non-existent on socials for a few months and I'm really stoked on that. Um, so don't try to find me there. Um, so leadersofleaders.org is probably the quickest, easiest way. Um, is an okay way. 
And then discipledinchrist.org is um, sort of turning into the thing. Uh, it's where a lot of my li- latest works and, and the Leaders of Leaders podcast, right? And uh, that you'll, you'll find some of my latest works um, on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can check out the Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. I, I think all of the, all that content that's old now is still real. Um, and then YouTube, I'm, I'm coming out with more stuff uh, all the time. I am throwing things on that social, I guess, um, with Leaders of Leaders. But yeah, leadersofleaders.org, discipledinchrist.org. Those are the main two hot ones uh, right now. Nice. Okay. Well, you've got a lot of stuff on rites of passage, homeschool, leadership, parenting, self-discipline, fitness, all that kind of stuff, which I'd love to get into someday. Uh, so if you're interested, if you like this podcast, make sure you check them out. And uh, dude, thank you so much for giving me this time and the wisdom. And I uh, really look forward to doing it again. Kurt, this was awesome. I, uh, I just blacked out. I don't know what I said, um, but hopefully <laughs> it was a value. <laughs> Uh, actually, yeah, man, you've just, it's funny. Your question is just like lit the fire and just like kindled it and got it, got it burning. So I started like shouting and I typically don't shout when I'm (laughs) using this mic and and headphones. So you got something boiling in me. I appreciate that, man. That's a good one. Sweet, man. Okay. Well, we'll, uh, we'll chat soon. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to the dad work podcast. That's it for this episode. But if you would like to stay in touch between weekly episodes, Why don't you go over to Instagram and follow me there because I drop a number of things throughout the week that are related to what we talk about on this podcast, but usually go a little bit deeper, provide some tips. You can find me on Instagram at dadwork.curt. That's D-A-D-W-O-R-K dot C-U-R-T. And please, if you have been getting something out of this podcast, if it has touched you, if it has improved your marriage, your parenting, your life, would you please leave a quick review on Apple or Spotify? leave a rating. If you have a few extra seconds, leave a quick review. That's the best way that we can get this work in the hands of more fathers. And I truly believe that we change the world one father at a time because each father that parents better, that loves better, raises children who do the same. And in just a couple of generations, I feel like we could be living in a world much better than the one we live in today. Your review will help along that path. And I thank you so much for being here to listen. Until next week, we'll see you then.